Trigger warning, the following podcast contains discussion about sexual violence. Listeners, please be advised and put yourself first. If you need to pause or take a break, feel free to do so. Maybe walk around, stretch, and take some deep breaths. And most importantly, please remember that we at UCSC support you. Hi there, thank you so much for joining me today with my first ever Slugcast episode. I'm super excited to provide valuable information for you listeners out there. Before we get started, I wanted to share a bit of information about me. My name is Maya Scott Navrete. I'm a fourth year double major studying film and digital media within the production concentration and environmental studies. I'm originally from Sacramento, California, the city of trees, so naturally I found myself at UCSC where I have fallen in love with the Redwoods. As I finished my last year at UCSC, I've been thinking about all the things I wish I knew as a first year. College can be very intimidating and overwhelming, but this podcast is here to discuss one of the most valuable resources I've utilized during my time as a banana slug. I'm sharing some of my own personal experience surrounding college campus sexual assault and an effort to support other survivors and advocate for institutional change. As a survivor, I know and understand how alienated one may feel when healing from sexual assault and dating violence while also juggling the responsibilities of college. College campus sexual assault occurs far too frequently. According to the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, or RAIN, sexual violence is more prevalent at colleges compared to any other crime amongst undergraduate students between ages 18 to 24. An article by Courtney Smith Kimball of Best Colleges shares the reality and prevalence of sexual violence on college campuses. Data from a 2019 survey conducted by the Association of American Universities revealed that 26% of women, 7% of men, and 23% of transgender, genderqueer, or non-binary individuals experience non-consensual sexual contact by physical force or inability to consent. Such high statistics, it's important to know that our campus, UCSC, has resources that are here to help and support survivors and those looking to dismantle rape culture. You do not have to be a survivor to stand for change and help out and educate others. Rape culture can be defined as a social environment that normalizes sexual violence, particularly towards women, trans, queer, and non-binary folks. Rape culture excuses sexual violence while doing little to prevent it. Living in a patriarchal society, rape culture is perpetuated through misogynistic, transphobic, and homophobic language, the objectification of bodies that belong to everyone but cis men, and glamorization of sexual abuse. When I was a second year living in the Stevenson Apartments, I was in an abusive relationship in which I was sexually assaulted, harassed, stalked, and psychologically and emotionally abused. Though this was the hardest time of my life, I was confident that I wanted to make my campus and home at the time a better place. After sharing my experience with a trusted adult and an R. I decided to take it upon myself to report my story to the Title IX office. Retelling the details that are now scarred in my mind was one of the biggest challenges I've ever faced. I had no idea how to navigate through the emotional challenges. However, I've since learned that this is not something one needs to do alone. In fact, it is up to you to decide what meets your personal needs. Here at UCSC, we have people who want to help you. As a second year, I found the resource CARE, or Campus Advocacy Resources and Education, which helped me navigate the emotions I was dealing with. I went to the care office prior to reporting to Title IX. There, I found a confidential advocate who helped me unpack my abusive relationship and educate me on my options. When I decided that I wanted to report to Title IX, my advocate had my back. Even if I decided against 
reporting, my advocate still had my back. In fact, care is completely confidential and a brave space. You can give and take what you feel is right. Today, I'm joined by one of my housemates who is here to help provide some more information on care and what it can do for you. Care provides skills and education that you can use in all relationships, starting in your own home. Welcome, Jamie, to my podcast episode today. Thank you. <laughs> housemates who care. You are indeed my housemate. Yes, I am. <laughs> and you do work for CARE. And I do work for CARE. Which is very exciting. Um, so, would you like to introduce yourself first to those listening? Hey, hi, everyone. I'm Jamie. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a feminist studies and politics double major. I'm a third year. So, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for giving me your time. Can you tell me a little bit about what the CARE office does? Yes, um, really short. So we support those impacted by sexual violence, dating slash domestic violence, and stalking by providing prevention and intervention services, confidential advocacy, and support. Um, we are a confidential, survivor-centered, trauma-informed, and empowerment-based, I guess, department on campus. And we like to use those four terms. Thank you. And what position do you hold in the care office? I am a prevention education intern. So like some of the tasks we do is like facilitate workshops slash discussions, um, outreach to campus partners, um, create content for our newsletter. We run our social media and we provide community support. Yes. Thank amazing. <laughs> and what made you join CARE? Honestly, great question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like CARE's just been such a great resource throughout my three years here. And I was like, always loved CARE, but I was like, oh, okay, I don't really know what they do. I really wanted to get involved. So I was like, okay, I'll go to an ambassador training. That is a training we have quarterly, like that. <laughs> <laughs> then I went and I fell in love with like the way they worked with each other, the way they interacted with the participants. And I just applied. I love that. We love to call you our care queen in our house, and <laughs> yes. I think that's a very great name because I think everyone who works for care is a queen or just is a really amazing person in general because I think very highly of care as a resource and everyone who does work for it. So thank you again. <laughs> oh my, sorry. We're all queens. <laughs> we're, we're all queens. And anyone who goes to care or chooses not to go to care is a queen. queen. We're all queens. <laughs> anyway. Um, so... When did you begin your internship? Okay, I think I started in September. I don't really remember like what specific time, but before school started, I know. Okay, nice. How did you apply? Um, I remember seeing a flyer on social media and I was like, wait, and I saw the ER number. And I really just sent my application in and I got an interview. And I did an interview. <laughs> That's how I got to be here. Do you need any specific qualifications to intern for your care? I don't think so. Like I had no knowledge before how to, I guess, work with survivors, empower survivors and do prevention education until I got involved with care as an intern. So I think, yeah, I don't know if there's any qualifications. <laughs> Short answer, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so part of why I titled this podcast Housemates Who Care is because I think there are a lot of concepts that CARE teaches and that you specifically teach as a student intern that anyone can apply with their housemates or in their own house True. or with their household. 
Um, or maybe just people in their own environment. Maybe you don't live with these people, but just what kind of education do you do that people could apply within their households or environments? We definitely talk about consent. That's one of the main things CARE is about. Um, I guess promoting consent in everyday life. I think it starts within our everyday life too. Um, if we normalize consent, we'll make it easier to practice consent within sexual activity as well. I guess along with consent, like boundary setting, everyone should set boundaries. Your boundaries are important and should be honored. <laughs> I super agree. I think that boundary setting is very important, especially living in a big house. True. Jamie and I have four other housemates and it can get a little bit chaotic. True, so. yeah, like every day. <laughs> yeah, so it's nice to set boundaries, like having your own cabinets or maybe if I don't want Jamie to use a certain mug, I can just tell Jamie that. Uh, what other type of peer education do you conduct? Are there specific people that you educate or can anyone go to you for education? Yeah, you can actually request a workshop on our website, I believe. Um, we basically present to anyone who requests a workshop. It could be Greek orgs, it could be like athletics teams or departments, it could be resource centers, it could be colleges. Um, whoever wants to request a workshop can, and we will give it to you happily. What kind of advice do you have for students who want to get involved and who are looking to dismantle rape culture and seize the patriarchy? <laughs> Sorry, I can't say that word. Patriarchy. patriarchy. Oh my that's gosh. A, that's a <laughs> <laughs> to get involved with care, um, you have to go through the ambassador training to be a volunteer. Um, although you don't have to be an ambassador or go through ambassador training to be an intern. Um, I think that's a step to get involved with care, but also dismantling rape culture. You could be everyone. Anyone can dismantle rape culture. And it's something that can't be fixed overnight. Um, just having brave conversations with those around you who are perpetuating rape culture ideas, such as rape jokes or victim blaming attitudes, um, you could do yeah, pretty much in daily conversations. I think some tips is like educate, don't interrogate, and recognize your privileges and capacities as well as a human. I really like that saying, educate, don't interrogate. Yeah. I've never heard that, but I, I feel like that's a really good takeaway. And It's a cute saying, too. <laughs> it is. It is. What are some key concepts when it comes to sexual assault prevention and education? I think, yeah, it depends on the topic we're talking about, because it could be, like, gender-based violence. We have to touch on, like, intersectionality. But yeah. it's also, like, sexual violence, actually, intersectionality is a very important topic that we need to <laughs> cover within all the different, I guess, presentations we do. Mm -hmm. but um yeah with like consent we have to talk about power and control with um supporting survivors we have to talk about like ways we can empower survivors and help them reclaim power just remembering the goal that prevention education is to eliminate violence within our everyday lives and cultures everyone deserves to live in a world free from violence i think that's the biggest takeaway of like why we're doing prevention education so who can work with care advocates that's a great question. Um, it is actually any survivor who has been directly impacted by sexual assault, dating violence, or stalking, as well as friends, loved ones, and peers who have been indirectly impacted can meet with CARE. We serve all members of the UCSC community, including students, staff, faculty, and campus affiliates. Wow, that's really cool. I didn't realize that CARE went beyond just students. Yeah. That's really cool. And I think one cool thing is that care is completely confidential. We are completely <laughs> confidential. <laughs> That's a great thing about us. Wow. Also, we don't um, practice appointment limits. 
and limits based on time, location, or student registration status. Fun fact. Hmm. Um, what kind of services is CARE providing um, during the pandemic and with virtual learning? Um, pretty much all the same services. Like, it's just nothing in person. Everything's over Zoom and through phone calling and emails. But we still offer, like, crisis intervention. We accompany you to, <laughs> if you decide to go to Title IX or law enforcement, we accompany you to that. And we provide academic support, accommodations, um, safety planning, and case management. So basically the same things if we were on campus, but it's just virtual now. Um, when should somebody come into care? And do they have to come more than once? Okay, that's like one of the great things about care is that our advocates and we, our advocates and just all our staff in general, we meet you wherever you are. So you can come in um, whenever you feel comfortable um, disclosing something. Um, it doesn't have to be right away. It could be years after you could experience violence before you came to UCSC. Um, you can experience violence like years, years before you came to UCSC and we'll support you. Um, so come in whenever, whenever you feel most comfortable. I like that Cure's there for everyone for no matter when violence occurred or who this violence occurred towards. Yes, we support <laughs> support persons as well. How do people contact the care office during COVID? So we have our phone number, which is 831-502-2273, as well as you can email us at care at ucsc.edu. Where do you think talking about consent starts? I think it, I kind of on this, but it's in everyday life. Yes. This is like small daily things like, oh, can I ask you if you can hug someone or um, not forcing a conversation um, with someone who doesn't want to have that discussion about certain topics um, or just like not pressuring anyone to accept something from you as well. Um, those are some small ways you can practice consent in your everyday life that can also I guess transition, I don't know if the word's transition, but it could also be applied within like the bedroom as well. <laughs> gotcha. Thank you. Let's do like a little scenario. No. <laughs> <laughs> scenario. <laughs> um, what if I leave my keys on the coffee room table and I think one of our housemates keeps moving them and moves them to another table? And I confront them, but they tell me that I was the one who was moving them. And and I just think I'm crazy. Is this, does this sound like anything that... You know what? That sounds like gaslighting. I don't know. Gaslighting, for those who don't know, is a form of manipulation and emotional abuse in which a perpetrator seeks to make their target question their memories, um, perception, and sanity. Um often extremely subtle, trivializing and altering the target's ability to recall certain events. So some red flags for gaslighting is like a person saying like, are you sure you tend to have a bad memory? Mm. Or saying it's all in your head. Or saying like, um, why are you making things up? So gaslighting can happen both in intimate partner relationships, but also just in relationships like within the household as well. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that. So consent starts within our own households and within our own small conversations and daily conversations. Can you give me any examples of how students can ask for consent at home and or establish boundaries? I think one of the biggest things with our household is we started community agreements 
or just house rules that we all agreed on. Um, I think having that conversation of like, oh, how do you like to be communicated to? How should I um, communicate like about this certain thing or this certain thing? But also saying like, oh, your boundaries regarding like your physical items or material items as well is really important regarding consent in a household. Um, and also about discussions like, oh, do you feel comfortable talking about certain things? Oh, do you not? And just establishing those boundaries and honoring them and respecting others' boundaries. Thank you. Do you have any advice for students who are looking to get involved through virtual learning? Gosh, we just had our ambassador training where we gave workshops about different topics. And those who became ambassadors are able to volunteer with us throughout um, the next quarters. Actually, I think the rest of their time at UCSC. And so I believe, I don't know if we'll have ambassador training for spring quarter, but I know we probably will have one in fall quarter and hopefully we'll be in person too. Um, so that's a way to get involved with care. Can we make a thing where it's like, um, have you seen, watch the community? Yeah. When yeah. he goes, try an abed in the morning. Oh. Can we do a housemate to care? Oh, that's a good, good idea. Wait, we, we could time it? Like, are we going to like it? Oh, wait, we have to do it at the same time, though. Right? Or we could be different. We could just I'm make a little jingle. jingle. We be like, care. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was like me trying to like echo you. Oh, uh, okay. Housemates who care. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Housemates who care. Care. See, that's it. <laughs> that was it. That was great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jamie. You were definitely one of my housemates who care, and I appreciate you. Well, you're also a housemate who was a queen, like oh, everyone. Thank you. thank you, thank you. Yes, we are all we are all, we are all care queens. That's the takeaway from this whole podcast. Yes, that we are all queens. And I hope you out there listening can someday either join care in working for them, or educating yourself, or educating others, or just having a few good takeaways from them. You don't have to get involved, but it's a great resource on campus and off campus virtually. So take what you want from it.